Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Church, but God is doing a new thing. And as we step into 2023, and after some difficult years, uh, we believe that God is uh, bringing us to a place of a surrender before Him where we can step into the mission of God. And He's doing this. And I wonder if you sense this in your own life, in your own personal circumstances, in your own journey, in as you go through your daily life, that you're awakening you more to the things of God that you're seeing uh, his activity more and more in your life. Uh, You're getting drawn into uh, practices like prayer and worship. You're getting drawn into ways that you can show hospitality and care, ways that we can live at the mission of God. The last couple of years have been pretty tricky on a number of levels, but this, in many ways, I believe, is a reset for us this year as we go and step into the mission of God. So that is our theme for the year. If you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been talking about renew, that God is the one who renews all things, that through Jesus' work on the cross, through his blood shed on the cross, humanity has this opportunity and invitation for peace, to be renewed, to become new, and to step into God's mission. We looked at that in the first week, that God has a mission, and that he invites us to participate with him as his ambassadors uh, to share this ministry of reconciliation. And in the second week, we looked at these practices of prayer and worship and that uh, stepping into the mission of God is fueled by an intimacy with God. It begins with an intimacy of, with God, not out of obligation, but actually coming from an overflow of the things that God is doing in and through our lives. And last week, we looked at how Jesus just changed the game in how we care for people. If we were still in the first century, if we were still in Rome, if we didn't produce, then we didn't have worth. But Jesus brought a new value. And when he brought the kingdom of God, a new way to live. And with that came compassion and care. And for us to know that we have been blessed to be a blessing to others. And today I want us to move into the next part of the missional framework that we've been looking at, and that is around share, how we share our faith, that we actually are renewed in our faith and we step into the mission of God and we, we have a story to share. We, we have a faith story to share. And now in the early church, sharing faith, speaking about Jesus That was an everyone activity. It wasn't just for a select few or it wasn't for the leaders to do, but actually there was an understanding in the culture of the first century church that sharing faith was an everyone activity. And there's this writer called Michael Green. He's written this book called Evangelism in the Early Church. If you haven't got your hands on that, I encourage you to get that. And he speaks about how the early church gossiped the gospel many things we can gossip, right? Many things that can come out of our lips. But the early church gossiped the gospel. He spoke about how they had Jesus on their lips. They were ready to share. So whether they were in a laundry, doing their kind of washing, or whether they were in their home, whether they were on a street corner, or whether they were in a wine bar, didn't matter where they were. They gossiped the gospel. They were ready to share their story of transformation, 
Their story of new life. And Peter, uh, he puts it this way, doesn't he? In 1 Peter 3.15, he says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So in the early church, there was this foundational understanding that sharing faith, spoken word, more than living it and going into speaking about it, was an everyone activity. And there was much persecution, there was much hardship, there was much toil around that. It wasn't necessarily an easy thing to do. So I wanna ask us today to embrace the tension, to embrace the tension of the environments and the places in which we find ourselves. And maybe with increasing militant secularism that is in the Western world today, actually, let's today lean into the tension of that and say, Jesus, how can we share your story? How can I participate in speaking about you? And one person in the early church that we looked to as an example was the Apostle Paul, a pioneer and adventurer of faith. It's fair to say that sharing Jesus was a front and center activity for his life. And in Acts, we see his strategy. We see the way in which he did that, his mission strategy. In Acts 13 and 14, he went out on his first journey. He covered around two and a half thousand kilometers in one year. He had Barnabas with him. He went from town to town and he was very fruitful in what God did in his midst. In Acts 15 to 17, Uh, Paul goes on his second journey. He goes out with a larger team. He has the same methodology going from town to town, but he came across a lot of hardship and and toil as he he continued to share about Jesus. And then we find ourselves in Acts 18 where we're gonna sit in this passage in Acts 18 today. So if you've got your Bibles or your phones, you can turn to Acts 18. And he moves from Athens where he's uh, under some persecution. He, he often would get run out of a, of a city if things didn't go so well. And, and then he's now in Corinth. And Corinth in the first century, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, is much like Australia now uh, in our times today. Uh, it's, uh, people are interested in making money. Uh, people are interested in experiences and seeking pleasure. Uh, people are mostly in, in Corinth in the first century interested in their own personal gain there's some that are not super interested in the gospel, but there's a warmth and an openness. And you might remember when I spoke from 2 Corinthians 5 a few weeks ago, I mentioned that the church in Corinth were very experiential based. So Paul was bringing them back to the centrality of the cross. And this is the environment in which Paul goes into. And it's important to know your context, right? We all need to understand the context in which we are going into So Paul arrives in Corinth, but he's actually pretty worn out. Uh, He's actually quite discouraged from previous hardship and persecution and being ignored. And later in 1 Corinthians 2.3, he says, I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. So when he kind of came into Corinth in Acts 18, he wasn't, you know, kind of like flying. He wasn't in the best place he could be from that perspective. But Acts 18 has got some wonderful things about how we can share our faith. So Let's look at this now. In verses one to three, it says, it says this. It says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, uh, who had recently come from Italy with his wife, uh, Priscilla. 
because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. And Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. So Paul had this tendency or this rhythm to go from town to town. He was quite nomadic in his lifestyle and as, as a missionary, and he was a big traveller. Uh, so in some ways, this is a bit different to some of our approach to life today. And one thing that isn't different is that he had a trade. He had a skill set. And verse 3 here, it tells us that he was a tent maker. This is how he made his living. He literally made tents. He made tents out of goat's hair. But broader than this, he would have actually also been a leather worker. So more than just making tents, he would have participated in making leather goods as well. So he was skilled in that way. And when Paul went into Corinth, he worked. And he used his skills to make a living. And he was also really consistent in speaking about his faith in Jesus. Which makes me ask the question, have you reflected on the skills and the abilities that God has given you? Have you thought about the, the, the places that he has you and the skills that you have and the fact that maybe your workplace where you are right now is not by accident, but God has you there for you to make a difference in how you use your skills, but also in that place, how you can share your faith as well. Really an important thing, I think, to consider uh, today. Uh, verse four goes on to say, every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. So in the first century, uh, every Sabbath meant that every Saturday, each Saturday, he was in the synagogue and he was speaking up about the good news of Jesus Christ. And, 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 Paul, and, and Paul was testifying so he was testifying, and this word testifying comes up 15 times in the New Testament, and nine of those times are in Acts. And to testify means to make a serious declaration based on personal knowledge. To make a serious declaration based on personal knowledge. So what Paul was doing was he was sharing his faith in a really personal way. He was, he was testifying about his faith, and he was sharing his story in the places uh, that he was planted in Corinth, uh, in the synagogue he started. And it's, it's really not lost on me that we all have a story of faith, that all of us have a story of faith. For those that are, have uh, put our trust in Jesus, for some of us it might uh, be a shorter story or for some it might be a longer story, but we all have a story of faith. And have you considered what your story of faith says? And have you considered how your story of faith, if you thought about sharing it, how it points to Jesus? And have you also maybe thought about your story of faith and gone, well, how can I share that in a way that maybe people want to ask more about this person, Jesus, as well? In an increasing secular Western world, people might have a scepticism about faith, and that might be something that's increasing. But it's really difficult to dismiss or to disagree with someone's story, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, your story is your lived experience. And you're sharing that with people that you're in relationship with. It's your story. Now, there's a man by the name of Tim Shire. And Tim Shire is uh, one of uh, Australia's uh, leading uh, trainers in uh, evangelism and in gospel sharing. And uh, I have the privilege of connecting with him uh, through my role uh, with Arrow Australia. And Tim does some training for us in that way. And uh, we asked Tim 
what he thought of the current state of gospel sharing in Australia, where it's up to uh, at this time in history. And we filmed a little clip with him saying that. So I want to just turn your attention to the screens and hear what he's got to say about this. In Australia, our National Church Life Survey indicates that only about 15% of the members of our churches feel at ease sharing their faith with others and are looking for opportunities to do so. That means an overwhelming majority, 85%, and this is across our various denominations, do not feel at ease and are not looking for opportunities to share their faith. This is a radical and serious problem because Jesus has given us the Great Commission and uh, we understand and we believe that everybody can be and should be a disciple-making disciple. Um, I think there's a shift taking place in that Australians are uh, recovering uh, confidence in the gospel and becoming more confident in sharing the gospel. And I think some of that's happening because a lot of leaders have uh, grabbed hold of simple tools and simple principles. And as I move about, I see a lot of people wanting to build that confidence and competence in their people, help everybody get involved in this task. But I think we're coming from a point historically where we've almost left evangelism up to the experts. And we believed what the media has told us that no one's interested. And what we're discovering is the more gospel sharing that's going on, we're seeing that God is the Lord of the harvest and he is at work preparing people. He makes seeds grow. We just plant and water them. So I'm encouraged, I'm excited, and certainly want to be a part of uh, helping people gain that confidence, equipping using simple tools that can be reproduced. So what Tim's saying here is that the research would tell us that 15% of people who call Clovey home have some level of confidence in sharing your faith. But then there's 85% that find that really difficult. And I think we need to, need to name that. And we need, to, uh, we need to name the fact that when we look at this missional framework of pray, live, and share, uh, and if I asked you, which one do you go to? You know, which one's more, most comfortable, most natural? Only 15% would go to share. Maybe not even 15%. 15% are sharing, but maybe that isn't their go-to. So the conversation that we're having today is a conversation where I, I'm asking the question, how can we... How can we Turn, like dial up the needle on the 15%? How can that 15% get to 20 or to 25%? How can you take steps in your walk with God to feel more confident in being authentic and genuine in sharing your faith? And maybe in environments where you, you find now that you're like, I don't even know how I would. How, how can I be thoughtful and considered? How can I ask good questions? How can I um, share my faith uh, with people who are interested because if we were just going to listen to the media, then there wouldn't be any interest. But we know that's not true. We've already had five people this year uh, already here at Clover that have put their trust in Jesus for the very first time, which is beautiful. God is constantly drawing people to himself because it's his mission. It's not ours. It's his. And he invites us to participate with him in that. So how can, the, how can we dial that needle up from 15% up? And Tim talked about these um, tools. And uh, in the research that we went through uh, for my studies last year, we looked at some of these simple and reproducible tools in how you can share your faith. And one of these things that we talked about, one tool was around your 90-second salvation story. Have you considered 
to actually think about your faith story and, and, and put it together into 90 seconds and share about some of the key things that you've been saved from. We all have a salvation story. Paul was in the synagogue testifying. He was sharing his personal faith story. And how does your faith story link to God's bigger story and actually share that and maybe have a question at the end? It's something to wrestle with and to consider what are the main elements of how God has saved you. And it might be that you've known God for a very long time and you might need to sit down and really think about it. What are the, what are the key aspects to your relationship with Jesus and, and how can you share that with someone in your world who is seeking him? The second one we talked about was three circles. And we've spoken about three uh, circles before and there's a slide uh, coming up on this where we these three circles that you can share with people who are wanting to know more, that God's design for us is to be in relationship with him. We've been created in his image to be in relationship. But then we have uh, this brokenness that comes into the world through sin and not living in alignment with the things of God. And then we have this opportunity through Jesus to repent and believe through uh, Jesus and the gospel. And then we can recover and pursue being created in his image. A really simple tool. And one that you can download on your phone. You can just simply put in three circles into the app store and you can download this. You can have it on your phone. You can actually, you can walk through this with someone who you are sharing faith with or wants to know more about the Christian faith. Or if you're more of a hard copy sort of person, we've got some on uh, the doors on your way out. You can grab one on the way out just to consider how would you share the gospel story? How would you share your faith and incorporate your faith into a tool like the three circles. And then the final one we, we discussed in my studies is around the Discovery Bible Study uh, methodology. In the majority world right now, uh, the gospel is literally exploding. It's exploding and, it's, and, and a simple uh, Bible study uh, technique called the Discovery Bible Study is being used. Uh, it's being used all across the majority world and the gospel is going crazy in parts of Africa and in India, in Asia and South America. In many ways, uh, it, it, what's happening in the majority world today uh, in, in some ways is masking the decline of the church in the Western world. And the Discovery Bible Study is a simple way of opening up the Bible with another person and engaging in the Word of God and simply asking, um, engaging with the Bible and then committing it's the ABC method, very simple. And it's allowing God by his spirit to speak through the text. Uh, we would call it a, missio, a, a missional Lectio Divina, a dwelling in the word. And it's a tool that we can use, a very simple tool and very effective tool with someone who is wanting to know more about Jesus. And you can share your faith through opening up the Bible and looking at it with them in that way. And this is part of the reason that we have asked you this year to join a group, because some of the things that I'm talking about now might feel like big steps uh, in terms of sharing with someone uh, who uh, maybe uh, is exploring faith, but you might not feel as equipped to do that. And these are things that you can explore in supported, accountable relationships. And it's, um, they're practices that you can look at uh, in groups. So we've been pushing groups and been getting some good feedback from people uh, around saying, yep, I've started this prayer group or I've started this walking group where we pray or yeah, I've joined this group here or there's lots of different people engaging in groups. And we are just saying, don't do faith alone. 
Don't individualize your faith in such a way that it's not being wrestled with in the body. We need to be in relationships that are supported and accountable. And our touch point with Christian faith needs to be more than our Sunday touch point and more than just an individual touch point between you and God during the week. It needs to be wrestled with in more, uh, uh, more of a robust way. So we're inviting you into groups so that uh, you can explore some of these practices some more. Because if you go to clovey.com.au forward slash renew, all of these practices are there. And you can explore them, you can um, experiment with them, and you can, you can um, wrestle with them and ask questions in the group that you are in. I want to put one more thing in front of you. If there's only one book that you were to read on all of this this year, then I want to encourage you to buy this book by Sam Chan, How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy. We all know who that guy is, all right? And this is an excellent book. So you might want to take a photo of this or just jump on Kurong or Book Depository even right now. If you're going to read one book this year, I know not everyone are big readers, but if you're going to read one book, this is the one I want you to read, all right? Because this is a really, really good book uh, looking at uh, conversational and relational sharing of your faith. So if you're serious uh, about being renewed, if you're serious about stepping into the mission of God, then I encourage you to read this book. And Sam Chan uh, has got some wonderful uh, material that you can step further into, but this is a good starting point. And anyone that's read this book, uh, I'm sure, would agree. All right, let's jump back into the text. Let's see what happens next for Paul. Verse six, it says, But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So it's taken a bit of a turn, hasn't it? Paul was in the synagogue, he was testifying, and then they have rejected his message. Normally, what this would mean for Paul, it would be the end of his time in the city. Even quietly or at night, he'd need to leave that city because they would literally come after him and try and kill him. That would be uh, what is his lived experience He'd usually have to flee. So if we try and just kind of get some perspective on this, Paul has already come to Corinth discouraged. He's already discouraged. His tank's a little bit empty. And he's trying his best to share his faith and to live a life that points to God. And then people get angry, so he probably gets even more discouraged. But by God's grace and his favour in Paul's life, and by his mercy for Paul, he provides a friend. In verse 7, it says, Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshipper of God. Can you imagine Paul just going into Titius Justus's house and sitting on the couch and probably just exhaling, oh, What is going on? These people, I try. But what is happening? There must be a sense of like, Why? And he must feel discouraged in this moment. He must be in a lament in his heart. And maybe also he's in there thinking, do I need to hide because are people going to come after me and kill me? And then in verse 8, things turn again. It says, Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptised. So this thing's just kind of swinging, isn't it? 
You know, Paul's been kind of run out of the synagogue. He goes next door. He's lamenting to his friend. And then the synagogue leader comes and believes and his household. And many of the Corinthians are baptized. It's incredible. In Tidia's house, it's just such a most unexpected thing. And scholars will tell us that this is the first house church in Corinth. And this is an amazing gospel response uh, in, in terms of um, pushing into suffering and uh, persecution, toil and hardship. And it makes me wonder about what sort of relationship Paul fostered and he developed with the synagogue leader. Because this is very controversial that the synagogue leader would come to the house next door and believe and be baptised. And I can't uh, help but think, or, or the thought doesn't escape me, that the author of Acts is Luke. And, and Luke uh, wrote the Gospel of Luke as part one, and then Acts of the Apostles as part two. And in part one, in, in chapter 10, he speaks about sending out the 72. So Jesus sent out the 72 to be on mission, uh, to experiment with missional uh, kind of ways of living. And he asked them to find people of peace. He said, where peace rests on a household, stay in that household and live and share faith and do life. And Crispus, the synagogue leader, was a person of peace. God was already working in his life and in his family's life. There was a preparedness in him around receiving the gospel. And I wonder with the people in your workplace, in your street, in the places in which you find yourself during the week, who are the people of peace? Who are the people that kind of lean into things when you talk about church? Or there's an openness in their, in their lives you know, to the things of God. Uh, who are those people that maybe God has brought into your world that you can share your faith with? Because one of the big things that we learn here, to step into the mission of God is to speak up in the places that we are planted. To speak up in the places that we are planted. Paul was planted in Corinth as a tent maker in his job, in his occupation, as a gospel sower in the synagogue, and then in Titius Justice's house when things got a little bit rough in the synagogue. So let me ask you today, where are you planted? Where has God planted you for this season of your life? The places he wants, yes, you to use your skills and your gifts and your abilities, but also place where he is asking you to share your faith, and particularly with the people of peace. We have a man uh, in our church uh, who is, is really consistent in speaking up in the places in which he's planted, uh, and that is Richard Hawke, who's with us today in our 9am, so great to have you with us, Richard. And Richard shares his faith uh, as uh, someone who works in the Remand Centre. He's in the Remand Centre working day in, day out and sharing uh, his faith with the inmates there. And each week uh, they put on a chapel service and uh, Richard, along with Roger Filmer, were telling me a few weeks ago about a chapel service that was just, just really hard. There's just services that sometimes are tricky and particularly in the environment in which Richard and Roger are sharing the gospel in that way, you're not necessarily sure what's going to happen week on week and you're not exactly sure how things are going to be received or where the inmates are at at any point in time. But 
faithfully they continue to share the gospel in that environment. There was this really difficult um, chapel service a few weeks ago that they uh, had experienced and uh, Richard uh, followed up one of the men who was present at the chapel that that he shared Jesus with and this man, uh, he uh, had a conversation with Richard and then he received Christ into his life. And Richard wrote these words, he said, with tears streaming down his face, he accepted Jesus and it all started with that chapel on Sunday with his heart being prepared. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That his heart was being prepared as he heard the words of Jesus. And then Richard had this opportunity to follow him up and then he received Jesus. And this is Richard sharing Jesus in the places in which he is planted. And we're all planted somewhere. We're all planted in places where God has us no matter what our age or our stage. And we have these opportunities to share with the people that God is drawing to himself. What does that look like for you? What does this look like for you to step into the mission of God? What would it look like for God to turn the needle on the 15% and to dial that up? And then what happens next must have been so encouraging to Paul. If not, people coming to faith and being baptised is enough already. But in verses 9 to 11, it says this, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. So God then meets Paul. And he speaks these words of comfort and hope over him. Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. I am with you. No one will hurt you. I have many people in the city. And from uh, this vision, Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, which is actually quite different to his normal uh, rhythms. Uh, and, And he stayed in Corinth Uh, for uh, a year and a half and it was the second longest place he stayed in uh, his gospel sharing because he knew God was with him. And I think this is really important for us that we need to know that as we step out and step into the mission of God and we speak up in the places in which we are planted, we need to understand the truth that God is with us. It's God who's with us. And we need to have that deep in our heart It needs to be the foundation piece of how we live. And actually, as I look back over this passage, there's actually four specific times that God is with Paul. He he brings travelling partners across his path in the the life of faith here in verses 2 with Aquila and Priscilla. So he's got this encouragement, knowing God is with him with his travelling partners. He has this open door in Titius Justice's house. He had somewhere to go in verse 7. In verse 8, we have these conversions and baptisms. And then in verse 9 and 10, he has this vision to keep on going. So he knows that God is with him. And I guess the question today is, do you know that God is with you? Do you know that God is with you in your workplace, in your home, in your street? Do you need to be reminded today that as you step out and you speak up in the places in which you are planted, that God is with you, that you don't go alone, but God is with you and he goes before you and he prepares the way for you in that way. So as I close, I just want to remind us of these words from theologian Christopher Wright. 
these words that should shape us as followers of Jesus as we share our faith. And it is this. It is not so much the case that God has a mission for his church as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, for God's mission. And God's call for us, Clovey, is to be a people who share, a people who share, a people who know uh, that God is with us so that we can speak up in the places in which we are planted. Let's all stand together.